hot in here. Okay. Well, we, we came in this morning, and, it, and there was icicles hanging from stuff, and uh, we had forgot to switch over to heat. Well, we figured out the heater's working, so uh, glory to God. If, you, if your neighbor passes out, uh, make sure that they don't have a do-not-resuscitate order and help them out. God has great plans for our life. God, God has great plans for our life. Right? How I many you know that God's not trying to hurt you? He's trying to help you. Right? And, and uh, the same spirit that was on Jesus is now operating in your life. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead has now quickened your mortal body. Now, you, you're a powerhouse for God. I said you're a powerhouse for God. You know, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, and that, that's the spirit that's on you, that, that you have the ability, the same power to operate in. Jesus actually said, we sang part of it this morning, Jesus actually said, the works that I do, you're going to do that, and greater. Hello? And, and greater. You know, uh, how many of you know that God's not holding back on you? You know, he's, he's, he's pouring out into your life, and you've got, you've got this uh, incredible advantage. It's an unfair advantage that you and I have because of the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. I mean, think about it. If you tap into this thing correctly, there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper, and every tongue that rises against you, you can condemn, because this is the heritage of the children of the living God, saith the Lord. Right? You're above only and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. Right? You're blessed coming in and blessed going out, blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's, that's an insane advantage that, that, that irritates hell. Because, uh, you know, as hard, as hard as hell comes against you, hell can't win. Why? Well, because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Hello? Let's read what, what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. <coughs> Excuse me. The Spirit of the Lord is on. Everybody say me. me. Okay. The Spirit of the Lord is on. Me. We'll get this. It just takes practice. The Spirit of the Lord is on. Me. There. Because He has anointed. Me. We're talking about you today. The, the Spirit of the Lord is upon. Me. Because He has anointed. To preach good news to the poor, he has sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and look at this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's a season of favor. Don't be thinking 365 days. But even if you lock into a year, how about that this year be the best year that you've ever known? I, I think the rest of your life, is going to be the best of your life. Amen? But God has put the Spirit of the Lord upon you, and it's on you, and there's a purpose, and you're carrying with you the favor of the Lord. I said you're carrying the favor of the Lord. And God wants you so saturated with favor that anybody that rubs up against you gets favor on them. Right? I think sometimes, you know, the proclamation of our life, the message, okay? Your life, your life carries a message, right? Uh, how many of you remember the scripture that says, uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord? 
right? So your life is making noise. You kind of got to ask yourself, what kind of noise is my life making? Is this a, is this a favor sound or is this a judgment sound? Hello. Is, it, is this a favor sound or is this a condemnation sound? You know, when, when people see you coming, do they go, oh, awesome, here they come, or do they go, hide, here they come? You, you know, I, I think that, that we've got to be aware that there's a purpose for the Spirit of the Lord upon us, working in us, living in us, and, and it's to carry the favor of God. The, 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 the whole city, the, the Bible says that the city rejoices when the righteous prosper. Amen. People get happy when God's people start flourishing. Oh, think about that for just a minute. Favor. The favor of God. The favor the favor of God. One of the definitions of the word favor. Favor is used all through the Bible. If you start studying this, uh, you're going to find out that God talks quite a bit about favor. And one of the definitions of favor is living proof of connection to the grace of God. Grace, by the way, is not a blanket you hide your sin under. Grace is an empowering agent. That, uh, that empowers you to do exactly what God tells you to do. A lot of times we use grace as an excuse not to obey God. What a slap in the face of God that must be. When we say, well, you know, I'm not doing what I ought to be doing, but, you know, grace will cover me. No, grace empowers you to do what God asks you to do. And when the grace of God's operating in your life, there's a benefit, and it's called favor. Charis is the Greek word. It's favor. Man, I'm telling you that uh, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. That power is grace. And when grace is operating in you, favor begins to just pour out of your veins. You ought to be able to lick your lips and taste the flavor of favor. Mm. Life is good. Life is good. Amen. Life is good. Life is good. Life is good. You know, some of, some of us just need to hear that this morning. Life is good. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, you, you, you got to You got to remember you're going through. Right. You're not going to cave in, give up and quit in the middle. You're going through. And I understand that there are moments in life that are quite challenging. But the reality is, is that God causes all things to work together for your good because you love him and you're called according to his purpose what's his purpose that you might proclaim a season of favor amen but you know uh how many of you guys how many of you guys uh this will this will kind of show our age a little bit how many of you guys remember brill cream yeah last night it was four bald guys (laughs) it really was i I thought that was kind of interesting um Brill cream, it was a hair product back in the day, and their slogan was, a little dabble do ya. A little dabble do ya. And, and a lot of us have that, that mentality regarding favor. We're just looking for a little dab. You know, we just, we, we, when we go to God, we're, we're, we're going to God just to get a little touch. Just so that, you know, we're asking him for mercy drops. You know, and, and, you know, mercy drops around me are falling. When God's wanting to deluge you with, with his presence... And, and, you know, you're thinking way too small. You're believing way too little. You know, you, you just want a little dab of favor. God wants the favor to be so intense on your life that the whole world recognizes that you couldn't possibly be doing that on your own. Hello? 
We're, to, we're, talking, we're talking about an intense level of favor that you and I ought to be walking in. Well, then where is it and why ain't it working in my life? Well, look at two, Luke 2.52. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and he grew in favor with God and men. Now, just, just a question for you. If Jesus grew... How many of you believe that he had some growing to do? Come on. Uh, well, I don't know if I want to say that. Well, you, of course you want to say it because the Bible said it. Right? So the reason Jesus grew is because he had some growing to do. Now, if Jesus had some growing to do, you and I probably have some growing to do. Hello? Come on now, we have, uh, we have some increase that needs to take place. King James Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and favor. Jesus increased. How many of you would like a little increase to your increase? Just, there's another word that's used a lot in the Bible, that God would increase you more and more. You and your children. God has increase in Mine for you. How many of you are ready for increase? Hold your hand up and let people look around the room. Just lift your hand up. Don't be afraid. We're ready for increase. Look around the room. See these hands. We need to take a picture because in just a minute, you're going to wish you hadn't raised your hand. Okay, because uh, <laughs> the word increase, check this out. This is the Greek word, P-R-O-K-O-P-T-O. You pronounce it. It says to beat forward. Hooah. To lengthen out by hammering. As a smith forges metals. Let us pray. That if you're going to increase, sometimes it's going to feel like you're taking a beating. Like you're getting hammered. Why does it feel like I'm getting hammered? Because you're getting hammered. Why? Because God is causing you to increase. And it's a process because he, like a smith forges metals, is forming Christ in you. It's a good thing. Come on, I, I said it's a good thing. Well, I don't like what I'm going through. Well, suck it up, buttercup. It doesn't make any difference if you like it. It's the end result that we're going to. See, a lot of times we're focused on what's happening in the middle. We forget what's approaching at the end. See, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death or separation. We get separated from the very thing that God is taking us to because we want to do it our way, the way that seems right to me. Well, it doesn't seem like people should be that way. It doesn't matter what it seems like. Is you, you're hyper-focused on the way. What you need to focus on is the end and let God direct the way. Knowing that all things work together for my good. You know, I may not like the process, but I like the guy who's in charge of the process. So I'm going to trust him and believe him knowing that he is going to cause it to work for my good. Right? That, that I'm going to be okay. At, at the end of this thing, I'm going to be better than I was when I started. Come on. Come on. You, you know what we got to do is we, we, we need to really, truly 
grow and increase, and we need to allow our minds to be renewed by the Word of God. Look at Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2, these are scriptures we all know. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Look at that. Don't be conformed to it. Don't be squeezed into the image of this world, but be transformed, totally different, totally changed by the renewing of your mind. How, how, how do I allow transformation to occur? I allow God to renew my mind so that I'm thinking at a totally different you know, uh, level of thought than I was before Christ. He's going to radically change the way I think so I can prove what's the good and perfect and acceptable will of God, right? And I think a lot of us, we're, we're hoping to prove to somebody else that this is the will of God. No, it's, I, don't, I don't have to prove the will of God for my life to you. I need it to be proven for me. See, I, I prove it to me. Check this out and amplify it. Look, look at this verse. Do not be conformed to this world or this age and fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. Look at your neighbor and go, mm-hmm, got a new attitude. Come on, got a new attitude. Some of us need a new attitude. Oh, it got real quiet. Everybody's just looking straight forward, don't want to look at your spouse. <laughs> not a good time to say amen. Okay, so... Uh, getting a new attitude so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his sight for you. See, here's the deal is that a lot of us have not allowed our mind to be renewed. See, you can't even know the will of God without a renewed mind. You're just guessing. You're hoping. Well, I hope this is what God wants. Well, you need to know the will of God. And because it hasn't been proven to you, you're easily convinced that that must not be God's will. You know, for example, uh, living in prosperity and not in poverty. Do you realize that God wants you to prosper? Come on. God wants you to prosper. Some of you, that's not been proven to you. So when a bill comes... You say, well, I guess it's just not the will of God for me to prosper. Well, I guess, I guess God just doesn't want me to live with abundance because, yeah, well, you know, you look back at great-grandpa and grandpa, and then there's dad, and they all just poor as dirt. I guess that's just the way it is for us. Why in the world would you accept such a low uh, expectation in life? Well, because you've been talked out of the will of God. It's not been proven to you that God wants you to prosper. How about walking in divine health? And then you get up one day and, 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 and you're, you, you hurt somewhere. And you, you ask God to heal you because uh, you need it, right? Because you're hurting. And it doesn't come the way you think it should. And you say, well, I guess it isn't his will to heal. Well, then all that says is that God's will for divine health has not been proven to you. Let me approach it this way. You will never convince me that my final outcome will not be better than my current condition. Ever. Never, 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 never. Why? Because it's been proven to me. I've been in the Word of God. And the Word of God's gotten inside of me. And it's come alive inside of me. I don't have simply the Word of the Lord. I have a Word from the Lord. 
concerning my future. And it's been proven. Remember when Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water? And he, and, and he began to sink and he cried out to Jesus and Jesus got him and he got him back to the boat. By the way, how did he get him back to the boat? He walked on water. There wasn't no piggyback ride. Okay. And, and they, 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 get back, they get back to the boat and Jesus looks at him and says, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? King James. Wherefore didst thou doubt? Right? Uh, little faith. The word little there is not... Uh, puny in stature is puny in duration so he said you had faith for a short moment why'd you doubt the word doubt is second thought what he literally said to him is hey man you had it going on for a minute why'd you give it a second thought why'd you entertain the second thought remember he started looking at the waves and the wind and he's out there i mean pick can you have you ever really thought about that he's out there walking on water and then the wind comes up and he thinks to himself probably can't walk on windy water you're walking on water, dude. But he, he entertained a second thought. And that's, that's what has the power to sink your faith, is the second thought. That's what, that's what the enemy's after. That's what he's trying to do, is separate you from the Word of God. And you start entertaining a different thought. Well, that, what is that proof of? It's proof of an unrenewed mind. See, you're still latched on to that, uh, you know, to, to, to a uh, humanistic mindset. You're, you're, you're still connected to a natural realm when God's calling you to a spiritual realm. God's wanting you to live and move under spiritual law instead of just being controlled and dictated by natural law. Remember uh, uh, Romans 8.14, and Todd brought this up last week, and I was listening to uh, Todd's message last week. That was awesome. How many of you enjoyed Todd last week? Come on, give him a hand. And, and he mentioned this verse, you know, the, uh, the, the, the ones who are led by the Spirit, those are the sons of God. And he reminded us of the difference between technon and weos, that, you know, a son by a mere fact of childbirth or a son who displays the characteristics of his father. It's the difference between one who's walking in the natural realm and one who's walking in the spirit realm. One is being led by the Spirit. Those are the sons of God. See, if you're going to be the son of God by demonstrating the characteristics of your father, you're going, to, you're going to have to live in the realm that your father lives in. And he don't live in the natural realm. He operates in the spiritual realm. Now, the spiritual realm does not cause the natural realm to disappear. It just is not subject to the natural realm. Right? The spirit is not subject to the natural. It doesn't mean the natural no longer exists. And for some of us, we get hung up there because the natural realm throws up a secondary thought and we latch on to that because we're more familiar with that than we are with the spirit. Right? Um, but, you know, spiritual laws are not subject to natural laws. And the, the spirit realm. Is, is, is not, uh, it's really not similar to the natural realm. And so we have to learn to get comfortable being led by the Spirit. Do you want to favor? You want to increase in favor? Then, then you need to increase in living a life that's led by the Spirit of God and to get out of that natural realm lifestyle. That's called renewal of the mind. That you are, you, you're beginning to accept and uh, live by a different set of ideals, precepts, God's word ruling your life. Think about it. Uh, love. 
you know, in, in, in you know, in, in the natural realm, just human kind of love. You know, in the Bible, we, we have a, we have, we have some issues because, you know, in, in the New Testament, the New Testament was written in Greek and uh, there's four different words used in the New Testament for the word love, but in the English language, it's love. So we read love. So we just, you know, attach that word to however we think of love. And if we're if we're operating in the natural realm, then it's always just a brotherly kind of love, just a tenderheartedness, uh, you know. And, and and that natural realm, you know, what it does is it it. It, it feels something, and, and then it thinks something, and then it acts what it felt that caused that thought, and it promoted that action. In the spirit realm, it's a little different because it thinks first. Then it acts, and then the feelings come later. Okay? Uh, love, in the Bible, the... Uh, Phileo, the Greek word phileo, it's just a, a brotherly love. And, you know, you, you and I have operated in this a lot. We say, wow, I love that guy. Man, I love that guy. He, he's, he's, so, he's such a great guy. I love that guy. Then you get to know that guy, and you go, I can't stand that guy. Right? Uh, you know, and we use love for all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, I love yoplicity. You know, and I love, I love boating, and I love Harleys, and I love, and that's, that's just a, uh, carnal human love. But then comes, you know, what about agape? Which is God's kind of love, which l- loves regardless of treatment. Loves expecting nothing in return. See, to, to love that way, you've got to be in the spirit. Because if you're in the natural realm, you're not going to love regardless of treatment. You with me? God's calling us up to a different lifestyle altogether. We're not talking about a different level of thought. We're talking about a different thought process altogether. See, when you came to God, think about this for just a minute. When you came to God, it's kind of self-serving. You know, we come to God to get out of hell. We come to the healer to get out of the hospital. We come to the provider to get out of debt. But God wants to use you to carry salvation to the lost and to carry healing to the sick. God wants to use you to take financial freedom to the oppressed. God, God wants to transition you, to transform you from a life that you're just living based upon you and your need to, to a life that is filled with favor for others. See, the favor of God is not so that you can consume it upon yourself, but it you ain't got to worry about yourself because in order to favor others, favor's got to be on you. So obviously it's going to impact you, but it ain't about you anymore. See, you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Then all those things you worry about, he said, I'll take care of that. I'll pour out that. I'll, I'll handle that. And trust me, God can do a much better job at increasing your life then you can. Huh? Oh, I don't know about you, but I start getting excited right here because I realize that the intent of my father is not against me. He ain't holding back on me. He ain't trying to take stuff from me so that I go through life without, you know, uh, resource. No, he wants to resource me to the point that there's more than enough 
But see, a natural mindset is just trying to get just enough. I just need enough. I don't want to get selfish. I just, I just want to have enough. Well, that is selfish. Because if all you have is enough, then you ain't got enough to help somebody who ain't got enough. So if all you're doing is trying to get yourself to even, no, no, no. You've got to get over to the land of blessing, to the land of abundance. And it ain't about you getting a bigger house or a newer car or finer shoes. It's about you being positioned to walk through life and to respond in any given situation just like God would. See, I think that's the true definition of prosperity is that I'm able to respond in a God-like fashion. That what would God do? And boom, I'm doing it. Hello? But you know what it takes? Uh, Todd mentioned it this morning. You know what it takes? It takes great obedience. Great obedience. You know, you know, in the natural realm, what a man soweth. Man, that's a natural man. Whatever a man soweth, that's what he reaps. In the spirit, that's not really true. In the spirit, I'll show it to you in a minute. In the spirit, you sow righteousness, you reap Love. Uh, later on today, go, go, to, go, to the, go to the passage where he's telling the story about the talents. Remember he gave one five, one three, one one. The guys that had more than one, they multiplied. And the guy that had one, he hit it, he held on to it. That, he, he refers to those who multiplied it as faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He, he, he referred, Jesus did, he referred to the one who held on to it as wicked and lazy. You know, which is going to define you, okay? Faithful, wicked, and lazy. Uh, you, you know, wicked and lazy. And what did he say to the wicked, lazy servant? He said, you knew. Go read it. He said, you knew that I reap where I don't sow. You knew that I gather in when I don't send out. And for years, i got to tell you something. I just thought, what? Okay, so, so how, how does that work? Well, because he's in the spirit. See, in the Spirit, why do I need to be led by the Spirit? So I can reap some things I've never sown. Because there's some things that God wants to pour into your life. You, you can't sow for it because you ain't got that seed. Come on. God, God, wants to get, God wants to bless your life with a harvest you couldn't possibly sow for. Because you couldn't get your stingy little finger on one of them seeds. But God needs to get you out of you and into Christ because he had some seed and he sowed that seed. And there's a harvest off of that seed that God wants to pour into your life. But you're going to have to you're going to have to allow God to renew your mind because the enemy, if he can keep you in the natural realm, he can keep you separated from the blessing that's going to come to your life through the spirit realm. You learning anything? Check this out. Genesis uh, 12. Is that right? Chapter, chapter 12, starting at verse 1. We'll just read a few verses and then we'll break it down. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be a blessed. That's part of your promise. Look at verse 1. The Lord spoke to Abram. This is at the beginning of the journey. He ain't even changed his name yet to Abraham. He, he's right at the beginning of the journey. He said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get you out of your country. I'm going to get you out from your family. I'm going to get you out from your father's house. I'm going to take you to a place I'm going to show. I'm taking you someplace you couldn't find on your own. Why, is that, why do I got to get you out of your country? I got to break those influences off of your life. They're way too strong. 
I got to get you. I got to get you out of the family. Why? 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 Why is God? You know, why is He going to separate him from his family? Because the, the, their lifestyle is the wrong lifestyle, and if you hang around there too long, you're going to end up just repeating everything that you've grown up with. I got to. I got to get you out of your father's house. I got to. I got to pull you out because because I need to renew your mind. I need to change the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. And, you know, for, for you and I, you know, some of this hammering, some of this increase, you know, what's he doing? He's hammering out of us things that are separating us from the place that God wants to take us. He, he's, got a, he's got a land that he wants to take you to, a position, a, a place of insane blessing and, and great favor that God wants to take you to. But you've got to get separated from that old lifestyle, that old mentality, those old belief systems. You know, we, we make statements like, well, I believe, and we're lying to ourselves. Because every action is a manifestation of a belief system, not every confession. You, you know, it's your actions. You know, if I ask you how many believe reading the Bible is vital, and everybody raise their hand, but very few people are actually in the Word every day. What does that mean? Very few people actually believe that the Bible is very important, that it's, that, that it's a daily necessity. If I said, how many of you believe that prayer is vital? Again, our hands would go up. But if you're not praying, you don't really believe it. You've just deceived yourself. Don't, don't shout me down. Right? You know, you, know what's the, you know the problem with a deceived person? He doesn't know he's deceived. Right? If he knew he was deceived, he wouldn't be deceived anymore. So he, he's walking in deception. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, how, how do we break deception off of our life? You know, uh, you know uh, what can, how, do, how do I know if I'm deceived? And, and I used to believe you don't. But there is, there is a way to measure if you're living in deception, an indicator that you can look at. Because when you're, when you're living in deception, let me tell you something. You quit listening to people who are close to you. You no longer hear them. You defend yourself against them. And if your life is, see, if I said if you don't believe, if I say that you don't believe reading the Bible is vital and you're telling yourself, well, I believe it's vital, I just don't have time, you're, you're defending yourself and so you're deceived. God wants to get us out of that so he can take us to a place where he's called us to be. Look what he said he's going to do, verse 2. He said, I will make you a great nation. He will. He's going to make us a great nation. He's going to build and make your business great. He's going to cause the church to grow and get strong. He will make you a great nation. That's his role. See, a lot of us have forgotten God. We're trying to make that great thing occur. He said, I will bless you and make your name great. He said, I will promote you. You don't have to fight for your promotion. God said, I will make your name great. I'll promote you. What's my role? You shall be a blessing. That's your role. That you'll be a blessing. That, that you will carry a message of favor. Man, we need to increase this thing. Check it out, verse 3. This is awesome. I will bless those who bless you. What's he doing? Multiplying favor. I will curse him who curses you. What's he doing? Protecting favor. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
Well, can I just tell you that in order to bless all the families of the earth, you're probably going to have to be blessed. You know, we want to bless all the families of the earth. How about you start with your own? You know, it's kind of hard to go out and bless all the families of the earth when you can't even bless your own family. You know, God wants to bless all the families through you, all the families of the earth. How, 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 about, how about you just bless your, your church family? How about we start here? How about we go to work and live to be a blessing? Huh? How, how about just up and down the street and, and down in the supermarket? We're just a blessing. What's it take to be a blessing? It takes obedience. Think about this for just a minute. God takes Adam. He drops Adam into a garden. If, if you read it, it says in the King James that God put Adam in the garden and he told him to dress and keep it. And in those two words, dress and keep, uh, do a word study. There's so much uh, uh, description between the words dress and keep. He had some, he had some great uh, responsibility on him. So uh, w- w- one of the things in dress and keep is to nurture, to cause to grow. Okay, to nurture, to cause to grow. So God takes Adam, he puts him in a garden. In the middle of that garden, there's a tree. That Adam is responsible to nurture and cause to grow. A tree that he knows he'll never get to enjoy the fruit of it. Okay, you got Adam. He's in the garden. He has a job to make a tree grow. That tree that's growing in the midst of the garden, he knows he's, he's, not, to, he's not to touch it. Why? Because God said to. You know, I would submit to you that I, 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 I'd be willing to bet I'm not... Uh, uh, I probably can't get any takers on the bet, but I'd, I'd be willing to bet your paycheck that I'm not going to bet mine, but I bet yours. <laughs> uh, I'd, be, I'd be willing to bet that that tree was the first tree. Why? Because God's the God of first things. He's the God of first things. I bet that was the first tree. He surrounded it with other trees that Adam could enjoy the fruit from. But that tree, he said, that, that was mine. So what I want you to do is nurture it, make it grow, but don't eat the fruit. See, I I think, see, to me, that's the picture of the tithe. It's it's the first fruits. You know, we have this this, uh, natural mindset that says, well, I'm paying my tithes. How could you possibly pay your tithes? They're not yours. You know, before service, if if, uh, Keith handed you a $100 bill and said, I need you to do me a favor. I'm not going to be in there during the offering. Would you put that in a bucket for me? And you said, sure. And you, you actually did it, because I know some of you. But you, you, know, <laughs> you actually did it. The bucket came out. You put the you put the hundred dollar bill in there. After church, would you have the right to say, "Hey, today I gave a hundred dollars"? Why? Because it wasn't yours. It was Keith's. God puts this tree in your life. You say you're paying your tithes. That's not yours. You're, you're wanting a financial increase off 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 your tithe. Why? It's not your seed. That, that's really one reason I think it's really cool to have online giving. You know, because for me, I just want it gone. It, it's not mine. The minute it hits my bank, poof, I want it gone. Why? Because it's his. It's not the money. It's, it's the obedience. I want that tree to grow. Because as that tree grows in my life, well, my 90% increases also. Right? So I want to nurture it. I want, I want to take care of it. I, I, I want to know. I want God to know that I'm being responsible for it. Well, well, what does that have to do with favor? Well, because in favor, see, you sow seeds of obedience, and you reap a harvest of favor. 
It's, it's not about the money. It's about the obedience. And the obedience releases the favor of God. Why, why should we tithe? Why should we do that? Well, because it's right in the eyes of God. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to us right now. It, it, tell him, it's right in the eyes of God. Look at this in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Hosea 10, verse 12. Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. Sow for yourself in righteousness. What's righteousness? That's his way of doing or being right. What's right in his eyes? When you do what's right in his eyes, you're going to reap mercy. Break up your fallow ground. What's that? That's the way you think. Come on. Break up the fallow ground. Start believing God. Start thinking a new thought. It's time to seek the Lord. Why? How, does it, how do we apply it? Well, it's time to start asking God, how do you want me to handle this situation? I don't want to lie to myself anymore. I, I don't want to deceive myself. I, I'm not talking about blatant disobedience. I'm talking about just willful ignorance. That I haven't even asked God how he would want me to handle life. I haven't even checked in with God yet. I haven't even opened the book and studied to find his direction yet. Well, break up the fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord. Look what he's going to do. He's going to come and rain righteousness on you. So when you sow a seed of obedience, you're doing what's right in the eyes of God. He said, I'll open up the heavens and I'll make it rain what's right in my eyes for you. Oh, guys, this is crazy good. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like bring all the tithe into the storehouse and see if I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you ain't even got room enough to contain it. You know, you know why you ain't got room to contain it? Because it's bigger than you are. I'm telling you that what God wants to pour into your life is bigger than you. You didn't have a seed to sow it to get that harvest. God said, you know what? I've covered that. But I've got to get you out of the natural realm, because in the natural realm, uh, you can only reap what you sow. But you can't sow what I want to give you. So you're going to have to get out of the natural realm and get into the spirit realm, so that you can reap what I need you to have. He said, you sow righteousness, I'm going to make it rain righteousness. You sow in your life through obedience what's right in my eyes for you, and I'm going to open up the heavens, and I'm going to start pouring out favor on your life. Favor. I got somebody. I got to renew my mind. I, I, I can't stay over here in the natural realm and do, do well, I'll tell you what, this is what I think. My Lord, I've done that enough. Haven't you? Look at your neighbor and say, you know you have. You know, it, it's, it's time, it's time to seek the Lord. It's, it's time to seek the Lord. I'm telling you that what God wants to bring into your life, there's no other way to produce it. Well, let me say this. There's no way to pull into your environment what God can bring. There's no way you can do it without stepping out of the natural realm into the spirit realm. In the natural realm, you can't afford to obey God. In the spirit realm, you couldn't afford not to. In the natural realm, you don't have the strength to do what God's asked you to do. In the spirit realm, I have strength for all things. Yeah. 
I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who's infusing me with inner strength. In the natural realm, you're broken, defeated, and hopeless. In the spirit realm, you're above only and not beneath. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. You really want to stay in the natural realm? I'm telling you what, man. I'm going to step over here to the land of favor. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to irritate my flesh. It, 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 it's going to drive my flesh crazy. Been praying and seeking God. and God asked me to do something, so I started. Just, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk in obedience and start doing this thing. And I gotta tell you something. Every day, the opportunity to disobey is there. I mean, before I get out of bed. And, and, and I'm just gonna tell you what it is. Only only you know, guys. Just I'm not trying to brag on me. I'm just trying to make this so real. Because. You know, God just told me, Here's, I, I just want you to start a Daniel fast. This is on the 22nd of the month. I want you to take one of your leaders and pray for him every day. Just take that one and pray for him. And, and, and my first question is, for how long? Not how long pray, how long fast. And uh, he said, I'll tell you when you're done. Dang it. Okay. So start fasting. You know, every day I wake up in the morning, first thought is Bacon. I'm telling you, you know, uh, it's bacon, 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 bacon. (laughs) God said, you know what? It's just obedience. It's just obedience. It's just obedience. And I got to tell you something that every time I resist the temptation, I've noticed I'm getting stronger. It's resistance training. See, this is what God wants you to do. You know, I don't care if we're talking about the tithe or if we're talking about forgiveness. He just wants you to obey Him. He he just wants you to obey Him. You know, as we approach this season in in, in society, and, you know, we have an election coming up. And I want to challenge you. You know, you you might want to take the seven days before the election and just fast and pray. Just begin to pray, God, thy will be done. God, give us wisdom, give us insight, give us revelation. You know, cause your people to be alert, to be awakened. God, they would just go vote. You know, just participate. But you know what? It's really hard to obey God if you haven't heard from him. All Adam did in the garden was disobey. It wasn't the fruit. It was the disobedience. Samson had a covenant with God. You know what's interesting about that story? Is that the enemy didn't know his strength. The enemy only knew his weakness. The enemy knows your weakness. 
And had Samson continually walked in obedience, he would have got stronger. But every time he surrendered a little bit more to temptation, he got weaker. All Samson had to do was obey. He had a covenant. You want to know where his strength was? In his covenant. You, know, you want to know where the strength of favor is at? It's in your covenant with God. It's in the fact that you walk and uphold your commitment to God. You uphold your commitments to God, you will begin to increase in favor. But when you uphold your commitment, you're going to get hammered. I said when you uphold your commitment, you're going to get hammered. That's called increase. Favor is increasing. Just like Jesus grew in favor, so are you. The enemy's telling you you're getting hammered. You tell the enemy, no, I'm increasing. I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. The rest of my life's going to be the best of my life. Amen? Amen. Come on, give Jesus one more hand.